Hello and welcome to another episode of the Koshcast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mahanad is here. Hello, hello. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's also been Ramadan. It still is Ramadan. It still is, but yeah, I just decided it's been way too long. I missed it, so I'm pushing through. Usually this is my nap time just to get me to like 8 o'clock. Fair, yeah, fair. What? Yeah. So 8 o'clock is sundown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Annoying that it keeps getting later, isn't it? That's the thing, yeah. But but again, in a, in a couple of years, it'll be in February and we'll eat at like five. Oh, so. damn, really? Well, yeah, just keep, every year it goes back two weeks because it's a lunar calendar. Okay. So at some point, like, I mean, a couple of years ago, it was like right in June 21st or whatever, like summer solstice. I remember that. But 10 years ago, it was like February. I remember coming out of class and like just eating like it was university days or whatever, yeah. and just like it was brilliant. Yeah, you don't you'd only woken up at two anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Especially with university days. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good stuff. Well, you know, we we've kept you on the pod. I, I don't know if you you saw this story, but the Saint Etienne manager asked his Muslim players to stop fasting so that they could concentrate on the relegation battle. And uh, from what I understand, they told him to do one. Which... <laughs> well, it's just like when I read that, it makes me seem like it's been all season. You're in a relegation battle. Yeah. This is not why. No. <laughs> like, like there's bigger no. underlying issues and you're just picking like the 1% at the top and trying to deal with it. Yeah. Not to mention like Muslim players all over the place are killing it. Yeah, like have Benzema, you, have you Benzema's fascinating. <laughs> Salah. Like, yeah, exactly. I think everyone's okay. Other than Pogba. Yeah, but his problems were start again, not the reason, you know. Yeah, but 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 maybe that's exactly like what the same the manager said. It's almost <laughs> like if we just told Pogba, listen man, it's because you're fasting that it's all crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, thank you for, for sticking through it. Mm-hmm. Um what a day. What a day in the Premier League. Arsenal going away to Stamford Bridge and nicking a cheeky shambolic 4-2 victory. This is, this is what I mean, Arsenal Chelsea have, have shared some pretty crazy games over the last decade or so, but this one was was possibly the craziest. Like neither team wanted to do much defending. Well, I think we already knew this about Arsenal coming in from the last three games, the last mm. three winnable games, let's say, where we looked very bad at the back. Um, Ramsdale is not in the form that he started the season with. There's a, you know no more Partey. We have two wing backs or full backs that are not our starters, and we know how much teams depend on those now. So you know you've got no def- no starting defensive midfielder, no starting right back, no starting left back. Um, so we already knew that Arsenal couldn't defend coming into this game. And then you saw the starting defensive lineup of Chelsea. And you're like, okay, neither could Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> you got no Rudiger, no Thiago Silva. Christensen, who's leaving, like very publicly, starting in the middle of the back three. And Malangsar, who's played, I don't know, like a handful of games this season. Yeah, so it's, um, I, I think it would, I don't think it would have been genius to predict that there would be a lot of goals this game. I would have I would have thought that even with Chelsea's defensive lineup, Arsenal would still struggle to score. And to mm. be fair, Chelsea, you know, we both gave each other goals. Yeah. Um, I don't think out of the six goals, I would say maybe th- three were deserved. And then there was a couple like, I mean, the first one, Timo Werner, it's an own goal. It's like off target. Hits two Arsenal players, Ramsdale, Kind of reacts in slow motion. It's like he forgot it was his responsibility. Yeah, 
yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm only here to distribute from the back. I didn't realize I need to make saves. Yeah. Um, but, but overall, like, like one of Timo's worst ever shots, and that is really saying something. That is saying something. I mean, when you when when you rank in the worst that he's done, when you're yeah. in the top three, I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think just in general, I mean, Arsenal seem to enjoy playing Chelsea recently. Um, they, we seem to kind of get a little bit of a bounce against them specifically. Um, I think you can't fault the players for the energy they put in. I think a big part of this game for me is Arteta just going kind of as obvious and as safe as possible with the lineup. I mean, look, Sambi is one for the future. When you but... say safe and obvious... There's a certain player springing to mind. <laughs> yeah, there's there's one player in the Arsenal squad that defines safe and obvious, and that's El Neni. And he yep. played today, and he was man of the match alongside Shaka in center <laughs> midfield. And, like, I will die on this hill. I've always said over the years, and Arsenal fans hate on El Neni because he's not creative. And when, when we play, like, a Brighton or a Watford, like, he's not the guy, and it's frustrating, and I get it. But... When you have a youthful team, like the one that we have, you've got Saka, Odegaard, Nketiah, Smithrow in front of the center mids. You want reliable, you want boring, you want someone who'll just give you a solid 7.5 out of 10 and not make any mistakes. Exactly. And he's next to Saka to kind of bail him out physically as well a little bit, right? So, and to me, it was always on Nenny. Sambi is still young. He's one for the future. He's not one that I think it wasn't a good idea, even if against, you know, the Crystal Palaces and the and the um, Brightons and etc. of this world. He's still not good enough to come in and replace Partey. Partey, who, by the way, took a while to even get used to this league. And now all of oh, a sudden, yeah. Sambi, who started, you know, 15 professional, whatever it is, right? Like, it's not, it just didn't make sense. This made sense today. Um, and I think, I think you could see how much the players wanted it. I think the front young guys kind of had a platform to do whatever they wanted, still with kind of putting in the defensive shift when they had Shaka and Elneny there behind them. And I think it paid off really well, and it helped, you know, Chelsea not having their best day either. Starting Lukaku, <laughs> I mean... It's weird how much Lukaku being on the pitch made me think, wow, he's rotated. Like, it really is like, if you see Lukaku there, his second string. He didn't even last the match, man. Like, it's just so bad. So there was a stat where Lukaku had less touches in the first half than Thiago Silva had in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Jesus. He just wasn't in the game. And like, it's not about Lukaku. It's about, yeah, fine. You can be in bad form. You could be not playing well, whatever. But he just makes the entire Chelsea team play worse. I don't (laughs) think they're comfortable with him there. They don't know what to do. Yeah. Right. Um, So yeah, he he got taken off. I think Silva came in and then Havertz eventually came on. But, you know... (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> by the by, the, I think the first half what ended two two, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, again, goals that were kind of given to each other. And Ketia showing that you know just a little bit of physical ability goes a long way in this league, even if you're not the most technical. Um, you know, is he better than Lacazette? It doesn't really matter. It's like comparing. You know, it, it doesn't matter. I, I guess, although you'd you'd not really have backed Lacazette in this form to score. No. Either of the goals that, that Nketiah scored. It, it was a funny week for Arsenal strikers because basically they both did interviews saying, I'm probably going to leave because like in, in Nketiah's case, I never get to play any games. In Lacazette's case, because uh, I want to play European football. Um, and at the same time, Arteta has been doing interviews saying no one in my team can score a fucking goal. Um, so it, it was a strange week. 
and then and then Nketiah pops into this game in which no one would have backed him to do anything and comes away with a brace. And like, had he been on the pitch for the penalty, maybe would have taken the penalty to get a hat-trick against his former club. I think um, first it would have been the first hat-trick since... There was, there was stats going around, like Kanu maybe? At Stamford Bridge? Uh, something like that. Like It was only three players have ever scored a hat-trick at Stamford Bridge from Arsenal, and one of them was Kanu back in the day. Like I can't remember if Van Persie or Walcott had one in between, but like it's not... It's a yeah. rare feat. Let's put it that way. So I think it was a good game. Like I mean, again... I think the state Arsenal are in, we're not going to win games where we control them from you know, mm. start to finish. We're going to win games like this. Um, and we're going to surprisingly, I think, win games where the opposition want to score more than games where the opposition sit back and then spring a goal on you, which we saw in the last couple of games. Right. Yeah. So I hope that bodes well for United on the well, weekend. I don't know what type of team Manchester United are. Like, I, I really don't have a clue at the moment. Like, they, I mean, so it's a good transition to the to the four nil battering they took from Liverpool, um, which to to Rocher's credit he predicted um, almost exactly. Like Ranić went with a back five and said we're just going to try and and sit here and not lose too much dignity, I suppose, and it that didn't work and and they got smashed anyway. But like I genuinely can't tell you what Manchester United will try to do in a game against Arsenal on the weekend. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a, in my mind, it's a little bit of a conflict between what the manager potentially wants out of a game and the players that he has to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, United, just the United individual players can be a little bit adventurous and reckless and not really want to stick to a very strict, you know, Ralph German <laughs> kind of like, this is what we want to do kind of thing, Right. Um, you know, you've got Pogba and Bruno, you've got Maguire, you've got, you know, <laughs> Shaw, Dallow, whatever, whoever is playing. Um, I, I just think they, they want to all kind of do their individual thing. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's getting what he wants out of them in terms of the, the structural rigidity. And then what ends up happening is because they're not very good defensively, what ends up happening is the other team just runs them over, especially when you got the quality of Liverpool. I mean, we'll get to Liverpool once we're going to get United out the way, but... sure. What was the plan? Like uh, the problem is this: <laughs> whatever the plan was, it went out the window four minutes in. Exactly. So then it's over. Like it's yep. like the players are like, "Well, we've talked about this for a week." Yep. And within four minutes, it's all a moot point. And and literally, Pogba was like, "I'm not taking any further part in this. I'm. <laughs> I do not want to be involved. I don't want my name associated with the rest of this match. I'm going off." Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, what you know, what is he going to do? Stay on and have Thiago run rings around him? No, thank you. Thiago had more fun than any professional player really ought to <laughs> in a professional game. Like, I mean, he was literally laughing. And you off. could you could tell the body language. Even you know, I I, I like I think I like to notice little things. Mm. And when he was receiving the ball, that when it was like three 0 and they were cruising, he would receive it like cleats on top of the ball, roll it into his path, look up, <laughs> like look for the Hollywood pass. He was like you said, just really enjoying himself. And to be fair to Thiago, he was memed. There was a lot of fun at the beginning of the season. Everybody knew how good he was, but mm-hmm. people banter is banter. People like to bring up Bundesliga attacks. Fine, you know it's fair. It's fair play. He didn't start off really well, but again, we we tend to forget that. First of all, it's hard to get used to the Premier League, but it's also yep. hard to get used to Liverpool's intensity. It's like a double whammy almost, right? Yeah. Well, they have players. I mean, Fabinho when he moved there didn't start for six months. 
and he he was like thought of as one of the best midfielders in Europe, and Klopp was like, no, you're not ready. And I now mean, he, he is. And now, yeah, now he's the best, probably the best defensive midfielder in in the world. Um, actually, we do have a question on this. Um, so at real underscore LFC underscore fan says special episode on why Thiago made you all eat your words. So yeah, like we just kind of touched on that. No, no one was seriously saying that Thiago was a bad footballer, um, but the idea, idea man thing was was very he, amusing. He just indulged in the banter. I think it's fair, right? Like, like when you get because everybody knows how good Liverpool are. There's not a lot of banterous points about them. No, there's so, not much like, fun to be had. <laughs> yeah, when you find one, you go for it. You know, like they win every game and then they make fun of you know people banter club for doing you know fist pumps. It's like that's all you can find, right? Like there's not much. Um, but yeah, no, he's been phenomenal. Him and Fabinho are an unbelievable kind of uh, double pivot there. And you can see like, even when Henderson, you know, he's playing okay. He hasn't mm-hmm. hit the heights of two seasons ago or whenever, when he was almost like the best midfielder in the league for some reason that season. Kate has been good. Kate has been good. He's also started, you know, it was funny and blah, 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 all that good stuff. You know, you look at Keita and, and to me, I always relate it a bit to Fred. I don't know mm-hmm. why. I feel like similar signings, slightly obscure for a lot of money. No one was quite sure exactly, exactly. what their role was supposed to be. Exactly. But Keita's kind of, you know, Fred, to be fair to him, has been playing better recently, but he's also in a system that is that is a failure, right? So that's not all yes. on him. Keita started off again memeable and all that good stuff, but he's really grown into the team. And now I think Klopp feels that he can play Fabinho and almost any two. And get away with most games, which is a great luxury to have, I think, especially with how busy the schedule is. And I mean, (laughs) no one needs to tell Klopp how busy the schedule is. Um, They're actually like the the depth at Liverpool. So the depth was was an issue for a couple of years where you'd say like the first 11 is unbelievable. And then after that, it's a bit of a problem. Really, for me now, the only position for me now, (laughs) um, the only positions left that are questionable are, I suppose, right back because after Trent, you've got um, oh, what's Milner, it? maybe? Not Gomez, but he's injured a lot of the yeah. time. Um, but he came out that game and killed it. Yeah, he had that one, <laughs> yeah. that one brilliant cross. And then Van Dijk, like they just look a different team when he when he's not playing. But to be honest, he's so good that I'm not sure there's much you can do about that. You, I'm you, really not. You can't have a sub that will come in and be just as good as Van Dijk. Like that's no. not realistic. You have to kind yeah. of work around it. But I think you're right. I think now with Jota, with um, if you want to call it Firmino as backup, or even just the fact that Diaz is a new signing, uh, Thiago, Keita, even Simicast comes in for a game yep. or two, does a job. You know, Kanate is a goal-scoring machine. Yep, he's not the best so far defensively, but again, still getting used to the league. He's young, etc. All that good. So, I mean, you look, you look at, uh, you know, again, for I always do associations. I associate Konate mm. and the person I don't know how to say his name, Omam Pecano. Whatever. Pumacano, yeah. Pumacano, right? I, I associated them as well. They were both kind mm-hmm. of linked to similar teams, similar build, similar stature, that kind of thing. You see yep. how much Pumacano <laughs> is struggling at Bayern. Yeah. Right? Struggling hardcore. And that's, this, you know, the same league, not a lot of transition, you know, should bag on teams, all that good stuff. So I think Liverpool are just for not like you see, for example, the, the contrast with City today struggling to bring down Brighton. City will have these games. City will like it was. It was weird that I was sitting there thinking, I truly believe that sometimes City struggle to score goals, which might be a crazy statement because they'll win seven nil and then they'll <laughs> grind the one nil. Liverpool, I feel, are just constantly, constantly, you know, putting uh, goals on the score sheet like easily. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, Liverpool do seem to find it easy. I, I think something that they do really well is score goals in short succession and just kill teams off in that way. Like they'll 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 often get one or two in a very short space of time, and that completely demoralizes teams. And then they're just you know open. You know, in, in the first in the first half against Manchester United, they scored two pretty quickly. And then they just kind of took their foot off the gas. And when they realized, like Klopp shouted at Van Dyke at some point, and Van Dyke was like, yeah, fair enough, when, when they had taken, taken their foot off the gas. And then they just immediately were like, right, we need a couple more lads. Like, let's go and take them. That third goal was literally just a matter of will. Decision, yeah. Like, it was a decision. They were literally like, okay, this is getting a bit antsy. United, <laughs> yeah. are sl- you, know, you know, United put together three passes. They're like, this is unacceptable. And they literally went, okay, we'll just score the third and then, you know, mess about. Like, it it was literally a decision. And you could yep. see it. You could see them click from the horrendous 10, horrendous by their standards, 10 minutes, to like, all right, let's just get a goal and, like, completely kill this off. Yep. It it did remind me of, um, you know, probably less so now, but a couple of years ago when, when Messi would just decide, like, all right, th- this game doesn't <laughs> need to continue like this. So I'm just going to do something about it. Yeah, yeah, like Real Sociedad are getting way too much of the ball here. <laughs> yeah, they're getting a bit uppity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Levante or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was it was just, I mean, that first goal. that Was it? No, second goal. Sec, uh, sec, second goal. Salah's goal. Oh, the, the, the team passing. And then Mane's little flick over Maguire. Like Maguire was doing a 3-6 like, no one, to be fair to him, in the entire world watching this game thought that was the next ball. No, no. Or or, or really that Mane, like Mane obviously gets plenty of assists. But he's but not really not known as like yeah. a, as the final ball guy necessarily. It's like a square ball across the box for a tap-in. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't necessarily have backed him to like a try, just a, attempt that ball necessarily. Yeah, yeah, and Salah's first touch with his right, and he does that a lot. His first touch with his right to set it up for his left is underrated because it really sets him up for such an easy finish all the time because he has a really good touch with his right. That touch, you know, I think a lot of good players, that touch takes him kind of across De Gea and De Gea Mm -hmm. scrambles to it and gets it. But Salah, with his weak foot, slices the ball so it, like, stops dead right in front of him, easy left foot finish. The first pass, Salah's assist as well with his right across the ball to, to, uh, who was it, Mane, I think? Or Diaz? I think it was Diaz, Diaz, first goal. Yeah. yeah, Diaz. Again, not an easy skill with your weak foot. We've seen a lot of players mess that up, mess that ball up. Like he's, you know, he's not been playing fantastic by his standards this season. Mm. But this game, he just he he stepped up again. And 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 you know, Mane playing center center forward. You know, Firmino's not playing the best. Jota can take a break, and now all of a sudden they have a new center forward potentially. They can play a false knight. A good player is a good player. Yeah, I those. That those five, I, I genuinely think you cannot improve on that. I really mm-hmm. don't think you can. Like within those five players, you have everything, and that you'd say maybe you lack some kind of like target man, focal point kind of thing. But four foot three Jota turns out to be one of the best aerial <laughs> winner of duels in in the league. So within those five players, it, they're actually terrifying. Yeah, and the problem is it's also a balance. Like people can say, look. Is there a better footballer just stats or one-on-one mm-hmm. to Jota? Yes. Is there one from Diaz? Yes. But as a group, you do not want to take that out. You know, you don't want to put an Mbappe there potentially. That, you know, as crazy good as he is, it might actually ruin the balance, right? So, and, and the fact that no, like, the thing is Liverpool have such a clear identity that mm-hmm. the transfers are also so clear. Like, you saw Diaz, you watched a couple of YouTube compilations, you saw his first goal uh, game, and you're like, yep, 
hundred percent should not play anywhere else but Liverpool. Yep. Just so obvious, right? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, poor United. Like the, Liverpool just showed up, and Liverpool just showed up, and it is what it is. I can't even fault them. Like it. No, <laughs> I honestly, I honestly, I mean, United are really shit at the moment. But I honestly think they'd have battered anyone yep. um, in in that kind of form. City, I mean. For for a long time today, it looked like Brighton might hold City, and and it could have been the could have been the day that the title was decided. But City pulled through, and uh, what are they? They're all level on points again, are they? Yeah, well, Brighton did what did some madness recently. Beat Arsenal, beat Spurs, yeah, and you know yeah. held City to nil nil up to what the sixtieth something minute. So that's impressive. Yeah, I'm wondering actually. So what what they did really impressively against. Tottenham on the weekend was they played with seven midfielders and they were just like you are not getting through this we are we are a block we are a unit we're going to press we are going to harry we like they they were just all over it I wonder if they did the same thing today I haven't actually seen yeah Mwepo but... has also been stepping up a little bit he's kind of shining the last couple of games a lot of energy good yep. technical ability all the good stuff so Basuma I think steps up in the big game I mean I obviously don't see Brighton every week to week but in the big games like he's against always, Spurs, he always a up. presence yeah he was big against Spurs but yeah City again this is a kind of one of those games where I talk about like struggling to score sometimes like look again these kind of sweeping statements someone will find the game where it doesn't mm-hmm. apply I get it but it just feels like Liverpool kill games early yeah. City can sometimes either go 9-0 or struggle to the 60th minute and it starts to get like, ooh, is this the game, right? Mm-hmm. With Liverpool, there's less of that feeling. There's always like, yeah, they're going to score, no issue. But with, with City, again, with that lack of striker, I know Liverpool also lack a striker, but they play to that really well. And they're also a much better team in transition. City, uh, like, I don't know why, but it seems like the, the, lower, the lesser teams come to City and go, okay, I'm just going to sit. Yeah. But they do it less against Liverpool. I don't know why. Maybe I'm, that's just. I just feel that that's the, the the kind of the the way they approach the game is slightly different with these two teams. I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, honestly, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I wonder if it, you know, if you sit against Liverpool, basically what you're subjecting yourself to is 90 minutes of Trent and Robertson just whipping it in, and at some point that's going to go in the goal. I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not sure. But I mean, City. You mentioned the lack of a striker. Haaland is all but done. Um, do you so we were talking about this midweek and we said that we could see some adaption problems not necessarily to the league because like the guy is as quick as they come he's huge there shouldn't be any physical issues but can well, you we see haven't we haven't heard that before <laughs> yeah really yeah. Um, but we said that we could potentially see some adaption issues to city like hmm. Holland has not played for a team like this before he's played you know Dortmund was it Leipzig Salzburg before that um or was it Leipzig I forget no Salzburg um either way direct he's got space to run into to clatter shots in behind like this is going to be a very different proposition yeah and I also wonder like the amount of crossing that City do I mean it's it's more recently let's say like De Bruyne will put a couple in Cancelo will put a couple in so he'll he'll get some some kind of (sighs) some action there but I look is he a great great striker it seems like it I mean he's still growing and he's still kind of but the problem is with the mm. Premier League it just seems and maybe that's just because we're following it just seems there's so much attention mm-hmm. that like one bad game if he doesn't score like a hat trick in his first game you know like, yeah. like like when Aguero showed up and just killed it minute one 
Like he has to do that, and then yeah. it's cool. And then it's fine. You can cruise a couple of games in, but you can't go three games struggling. You can't do a Grealish because it's gonna just it's gonna turn on you, right? That'll be the story for a month. That, oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's exciting. I'm glad that you know the best players are coming to the league, especially that Mbappe looks like either he's gonna stay at PSG or go to Real Madrid. Like I want the best players to come to the Premier League. I and this is why kind of you know I hate Grealish for not giving us Messi. <laughs> Somehow, somehow it still is his fault in my mind. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see how Pep plays with a striker. And I'm excited to see kind of when things start to go wrong, Pep's default is take the striker out. Yeah, Grealish back at, no, back at nine. Yeah, so, I, you know, that part, I think he's going to have to force himself to push through against his kind of, you know, against his usual decisions. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It, it will be, it will be fascinating. It really will. I mean, uh, on the one hand, you kind of think this is this is massively unfair. Like one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world, who already smashed the league by you know how many points? The points gap between, by the way, oh, so City are one point ahead of Liverpool. Yes, um, but Six they are ten. They're fifteen points clear of Chelsea, which is mental. Um, anyway, it it feels a bit unfair that a team that good also gets to have. <laughs> have Haaland but yeah I mean where else is he gonna go yeah and I think I think also like I mean the top like I think times are moving so quick that players now are like city fans like Haaland is a semi-city fan (laughs) because his dad used to play there so I get it I get it there's that bit but times are moving where it's like you're gonna start to have players who go like you know I'm a city fan I want to join cities like in the past it was like you're clearly going there for the money yeah. Now there's other slightly people can you know talk about other reasons about oh my parent you know supported City or and they were amazing it just it was a weird feeling to have like old photos of Holland in a City jersey a like city no shirt. one has that <laughs> no except what he's 21 like when he grew up what was the era could have been like Elano <laughs> and Roque had to cruise. Yeah, but you know, a year later it's Adebayor, a year later it's Robinho, <laughs> a year later it's Aguero. You know, it got better. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Oh man! Right, we've got some questions. They aren't. Some of them are related to stuff we've already talked about, so we better get them in now. So Bernie, who wasn't able to join us, um, hearkening back to the uh, to the Arsenal game, says, "How much are you paying Enketia per week after that performance?" And do Arsenal have a discount with Rob Holding's hair guy? Because Gabriel <laughs> Gabriel is looking like a new man. Both good questions. Yeah, well, uh, Gabriel... we touched on the Inketia contract thing. I still don't think. I still think he'd be an idiot to stay. He'd do what? I think he'd be an idiot to stay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think so too. It, it's like so. it's like El Nenny. It doesn't matter if he performs well. He's, he's he'll get dropped. But yeah. El Nenny doesn't have the ambition anymore. It's fine. That's true. Inketia is still at that like stage where he thinks he's better than he is. Yeah. Well, so... in his in his interview, he was like, "I look at." my peers who have really kicked on and they're all really confident. I'm like, I, I want that for myself. So, you know. Yeah, where's that going to happen though at Aston Villa? Like, it, just Southampton is my Brighton guess. Brighton needs a striker. Yeah, they do. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't think, I, we need to, Arsenal need to stop this thing where one great game gives people the captaincy and a new contract <laughs> and this and that, you know, and the keys to the city. So yeah, no, this was like, you know, we pay you, thank you for the performance, but it doesn't, I think it stops here. Um, on the Gabriel thing, I mean, he just had a baby. He dropped a couple of stinkers. And then, you know, 
I don't want to say blamed it on the baby. I think he let people blame it on the baby. <laughs> <laughs> just puts a little pick. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say anything. He's just like, you know. Um, yeah, it's all the baby. I didn't say it. You said it kind of thing. Um, and then, yeah, he went in, uh, you know, went to Turkey or whatever. They, I, I think he's rich enough to do it in London. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did it in London. Um, and he looks... I mean, it's too dark. Like, Yeah, the, maybe, maybe it's so new that it will yeah. fade a bit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, oh. What was interesting, I thought about the Gabrielle one was that most most guys wait until it gets a bit worse. It was he bad. Still had, it oh, was, no, no. If you I, guess, look, I mean, but... we just... It got uh, maybe the stresses of the baby. Some, I mean, let's just blame it <laughs> Those on the baby. Two nights. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but it started to look like when I... Because I don't care. I don't look at it. But now sure. when people started to show the pre, I was like, oh, wow. It was much worse than I thought. Right. Yeah. But I, yeah. I, since Bernie brought us back to the Arsenal game very quickly, I want to say that Saka had Alonso on absolute strings. Toast, he mate. every time Saka had the, I don't think Alonso made a single successful tackle on Saka. Every time he had the ball, Alonso just kind of stood there as a body and allowed Saka to go either direction he wanted. And I am very happy that he was so confident to go and pick up that ball for the penalty. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, he's young. It's at Stamford Bridge. The pressure is there. These are very important three points. And after the Euros. I was very impressed that he had that kind of confidence to just go and be like, and especially with the fighting. And, you know, Aspilicueta knew the penalty was going to happen. But oh, yeah. he just fought around a little bit just to get into Saka's head. And I'm glad yeah. that kind of worked out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, there was, I, this is not verified, but I did see a tweet. Um, I think it was from like someone at the Football London account saying that the beef continued into the tunnel. And one of the Chelsea players presumably one of the England Chelsea players asked Saka why he couldn't have taken a penalty like that for England in the summer, which is a low uh, blow, man, if, if that actually happened. I highly doubt it. I mean, who, I mean, think about it. Who would be in that tunnel? Mount? He Mount, wouldn't do that. Reese James seems too yeah, nice a guy. But, uh, Who's left? I mean, maybe it was just Aspilicueta being yeah. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, Aspilicueta, did you see after the game, he actually got into a slight face-off with a Chelsea fan. Um, a Chelsea fan was kind of the closest seat to the to the field, like all the way yeah. to the bottom, and they were saying something or booing slash saying what the hell you gave away the penalty or whatever. And Aspilicueta was like visibly upset because like it wasn't just like a a chant; like it was he could tell exactly what he was saying. It was mm-hmm. almost like a dialogue and an argument. So he walked up to him and they had like an argument back and forth, like a like with words. So it'd be interesting to know what they said. But um, can you imagine how much of a dick you have to be to like have a go at? Is he the club captain? Yeah. Yeah. Club captain. Long he's been there for like 15 stuff. years yeah. or something. He's won literally everything there is to win. He's played in four positions, never complained a day. Like He's he's a model pro. And you can have a go as Pelicueta. Yeah, I, I also have to say that if I was putting money on that penalty to be to be given or not given with John Moss's performance that game, I would be a very poor man right now. Because I did not think he was going to give Arsenal that penalty. Not even a little bit. But hey. I, I thought it was a penalty at the end. So it was a it was a wrestling move, man. That's yep. what it was. Um, Don Yaya, who we were very happy to have on the pod last week, says bigger underperformance this season: Lukaku or Manchester United? For this question, please try to remember the level of hype for each <laughs> at the start of the season, as that might be difficult. Now, I, I think that's a good point. You know, I think Chelsea were like they just won the Champions League, wicked squad. They got all the Germans in, and then it was like that one last thing that they need is a killer striker. And Lukaku's coming off his Inter form where he smashed in like 400 goals in 10 games for Inter, you know, romping around at Venezia and stuff. And then that, that really did... And he's coming back, obviously, to Chelsea. So it felt perfect. It felt like the perfect fit. 
Um, and then Manchester United. So first of all, you've got the the Sancho who you've been chasing for you know donkey's years. Finally get him in. Varane, you know, world class on paper signing. He looks like a model. He comes in, replaces Lindelof, who's done nothing wrong, but whatever, fuck him. And then on top of that, Cristiano Ronaldo comes back. Sensible people like like Bernie, uh, we're not we're not in favour of Ronaldo coming back, but you know, for the most part, that did add multiple levels of hype. Yeah, I, I would say to answer this question from an just a pure personal point of view, I would have to pick United just for the banter with Gary Neville and Paul Scholes <laughs> and Rio Ferdinand. Because these guys they let their emotions take over sometimes. And the stuff Gary Neville was saying a couple of weeks ago about how United like they said pick your final top four and he picked United like I'm not even say pick Arsenal, pick Spurs. But like United like you cannot see the issues that are coming. You, you like, so that's one definitely. I just want to stick it to him. Paul mm-hmm. Scholes sitting there in that interview talking about how United have a better back four than Chelsea. Like, <laughs> like I just yeah, only because Chelsea don't play a back four. I just can't. Yeah. And then Rio Ferdinand in the in the all these stages and like I just like think you know as much as Roy Keane is this grumpy old man. He says right things. He just says them in a funny old, like, I'm angry kind of thing. So people kind of laugh at him. But, like, he says the right things all the time. He says how these players are not good enough. He says how what he sees is not good enough. Then you have Scholes, who, like, kind of sleeps through the game and then shows up afterwards and just says a couple of generic line items. Scholes already knows what he's going to say before he gets there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the game is inconsequential. The game doesn't change anything. As long as United haven't won... He's just like, here are the three miserable things I've been saying for the last 20 years. Yeah, I, I will say it's United. I will say that they, with a Cristiano Ronaldo signing and not 80% of the fan base going absolutely apeshit about it and stuff like that, I would pick United. Because, again, United was the entire club, the entire team. Lukaku is mm. like one player, one cog in a team that was already, you know, champions of Europe. So I would, I would pick United for sure. Yeah, I don't really have any any, any no. strong feeling. Also, way to, also to we're talking about you know Chelsea signings. We, great tweet here by a Chelsea fan. You know, we sold Tomori, who's better than Saar and Christensen, mm-hmm. and Gehi, who's better mm-hmm. than Saar and Christensen, to fund mm-hmm. Lukaku, who's worse than Tammy Abraham. Who we <laughs> <Yep>. also sold. <laughs> yep. I, <laughs> but honestly, look, look, like Alex, we'd sit here and laugh at Lukaku now, but seriously. If, yeah. if any any sane person said, I'm going to upgrade Tammy to Lukaku, especially after that season Lukaku had, like you would say yes. I just feel like it's it's unfair to... to Banter is fine, but it's unfair to say that I think they made the wrong decision at the time. So, I mean, I, I can genuinely say that I I thought that. Like, I, I, I've been consistent... Like, since Tammy Abraham True. scored that... What was it? 16 goals, I think, in, in his first Premier League season under Lampard. It was clear to me that like this guy can do it at this level, and then Tuchel take took over and just like didn't give him a chance. And then he's gone to Roma, and obviously like it, clearly at the moment it's easier to score goals in Serie A than it is in the Premier League. But the guy's a goal scorer. Is he is he like the perfect player, the the most complete striker? No, but then nor is nor is Romelu Lukaku. Like I don't think Tammy Abraham's hold up play or, or link up play is any worse. Like he's a very good striker, and he's going to score a lot more goals than Lukaku this season. And even if you thought Lukaku was a slight upgrade, they sold Tammy Abraham. Like they paid sixty million more for Lukaku than they got for for Abraham. He's not that much of an upgrade. 
Yeah, like, no, I, I agree. I agree. Chelsea have done that a little bit. Even like, you know, they, they've gone for the name over the performances. And you're right. Uh, to all the listeners, Alex has been banging the Tammy drum <laughs> since forever. You know, so this is true. You did say this is, you know, he wouldn't have done that move because you, yeah. you do like Tammy that much. And, and I kind of, I didn't see it at the start and he was struggling a little bit, but then he definitely improved. And what he's doing at Roma now, again, not easy for an English player to go out there and do their thing. It's not common. So mm-hmm. as, as, as easier as it can be, it's still a Roma squad. He's not, you know, we're not talking a Inter or a yeah. whatever, right? Or a Juve. Um, but at the same time, it feels like Chelsea recently have been going a little bit with names over, you know, before, like, for example, Lukaku started, 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 failed. Havertz came in doing the job. Um, Ziyech, same thing. Name, you know, you're playing Werner potentially over him. I think it's still the right move as, as banterous as Werner. He's a, he's a lot more effective. Let's say mm-hmm. um, you look million on Pulisic. Exactly. You look at that. You look at Kovacic now taking over from Jorginho again, the performance over the name. And it's important for managers to do that because that's really what wins your games at the end of the day. Right. So, yeah, yeah. like, like, like I, I know Conte has had some injury problems, but he's been a substitute a lot mm-hmm. of the season because he hasn't been that good. And Kovacic has been fantastic. And it was funny, actually, Tuchel said the other day he wants to overhaul Chelsea midfield, or maybe that's just what the kind of headline was. Mm-hmm. It was like Conor Gallagher is a one-man midfield overhaul. Like that's all you that is all you need. Honestly, put a put a hundred. I mean, I don't know if they have the money or the transfers or whatever this season, but put the money down for Rice. Play Car- Car- Gallagher next to him. You're good. You're done. It's done. I don't even know if you need Rice if you have uh, Kovacic. Do you? I mean, it's still a good upgrade. Yeah, just a true maybe. defensive midfielder. You know what I mean? Kovacic can be still like in the middle. Yeah. Um, Maybe you think Conte is done at this level? I will say, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know why he'd be done. It's only been like five years at this level. I know age yeah. is a factor, and also like the way he plays. It's about having that that engine, right, and running around and doing his thing. I just think with Conte, I think the technical side is slightly catching up to him. Like, there's a lot more emphasis now on that. With Leicester, it was a lot more the physical side of things. Um, at Chelsea, it worked a little bit. I just feel now they are realizing that they need a little bit more technique, even if it's at the expense of some tackles. Yeah. Uh, that's just my take. Fair enough. Um, next question. Sonia at Sonia Misio says, Does Pippo Inzaghi's appearance at Stadio Friuli mean that he's our new coach? Our being Udinese. Um not a clue. Don't have the slightest clue. What I would say is Pablo Mari is at Udinese and he wants to stay, so that's good. And the other... <laughs> Two very good-looking other... guys. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, uh, so I googled who the current manager was because I wasn't sure, and it's a bloke called Gabriele Chioffi, or Chioffi and uh, he's an extremely good-looking man too. So uh, I wouldn't... You know, uh, right? Wow. He looks pre- like a young Conte slash Nesta mix. That's a very good shout, actually. Yeah. That's a very good shout. So I wouldn't necessarily want to look at Pippo and Zaghi more than him. <laughs> and that's the st- that, that's how you <laughs> hire coaches. Well, look, Udinese aren't going to do anything either way. So <laughs> you, you might as well have fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I, I wasn't expecting a Serie A question, to be honest. I was still in Premier League mode, but yeah. I mean, no. I, don't, I don't think we needed a lot of Serie A knowledge to answer that one. <laughs> no, clearly. <laughs> I think it's more fun without it. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, yeah, Inter smashed AC Milan in the Coppa Italia the other day, and the, and the, the race for Serie, for the uh, Scudetto is going right down to the wire, which is which is very exciting. It is, I think, the closest. I mean, other than Liverpool and, and City, I know they're close too, but I think there's like three, four teams, or maybe three, you can call it three teams that are you know, potentially fighting for you've got Inter are going to, well, they have a game in hand and, and are two points behind Milan. So they technically one point ahead if they win that game in hand. And we know how games in hand work. Mm-hmm. They're they're all winnable. They're all in the bag. <laughs> yep. um, but and yeah, Juve Nap- dropped Napoli off quite a bit. I mean, it would be brilliant if Roma ended fourth and Juve ended third, but um, that would be nice. I would like or that. Jose back in the, in the Champions League. More Juve out of the Champions League. Yeah. That's that's yeah. fair. They'd have to they'd have to find new ways of getting money. Yeah, I mean Lazio are only two points behind Roma. Bragging rights are there for the taking for for Rome. So you know that's that's a little battle on its own. That's exciting. I'm sure the I'm sure Rome is a bit like bubbly with that with that. Goal. Oh yeah. Well, if Sari managed that, I mean, what was it? Mourinho the other the other day, they they beat Lazio in the derby. But he said something about like because Roma had a game in Europe in midweek. He was like, my players were out playing a game and Lazio's players were all at home having a cigarette with Sarri. And it was just like, you've just taken the one thing that everyone knows about him and <laughs> used that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's stereotype and go for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, other than that, I know like in La Liga, I want to go back to the Premier League a little bit at the end. Yeah. But for in La Liga, I know Benzema pulled another one out of the hat as well, like 92nd minute winner um, recently as well. Um, yeah. he, you know, again, he's had, had what a twenty-five. And oh, oh, just because I haven't been on the pod recently, I just mm. like to kind of, kind of just touch up on something that I almost crashed when I was listening to last week's podcast, where Bernie said that Benzema is the goat striker. He did say goat. He did say goat. I mean, those For are context, words. We we were asked, is he top twenty? Exactly. Or... That was my issue. The question was so easy. Is Benzema top 20? Yes. Yeah. Move on. But no, <laughs> you guys had to talk about how he's the GOAT and this and that. I'm like, I'm sorry. I think uh, Danyaya was in the pod last week. Yeah. He thankfully, you know, saved Bro, the I... moment by saying that let's just not forget about Suarez. He said mm-hmm. it not forcefully enough for me, but I get it. He's the guest on the podcast. But if I was in his place, this whole thing would have been shut down. Like, come on. Benzema has 25 goals this season, and he's hailed as like the best player in the world. Suarez had he's a 40-goal like, season. But Benzema has like 36 or something, all comps. Anyways, we all agree <laughs> Suarez is definitely the better striker than mm. Benzema. And I will say this, and I always say on Twitter, the chronological strikers in our lifetime are R9, Thierry Henry, Luis Suarez. That's it. These are the top three chronologically in their kind of little eras. Next, Could you, can... put, could you put Benzema after that? But it, the problem is it's in the same era as Suarez. I know kind of Suarez kind of stopped now, but there's only going to be like two more years of Benzema outside of the Suarez era. But like, if you want, you can put him next. You can put him above Kane and Lewandowski for sure. That if that's, oh. like, like, the argument is always like, for me, Suarez is out of the argument. And then you can, you can have your little banter with Benzema, Lewandowski, and Kane. That's kind of how I see it. So what I will say is, I mean, I don't feel as passionately about this as you, but Luis Suarez, career total, 725 games, 452 goals. Karen Benzema, 767 games, 399 goals. Benzema has played for an elite club pretty much the whole time. That said, 
Luis Suarez got to play against Norwich a lot, which really helped. Okay, you can see it that way, but you can also see it as playing in the Premier League for a Liverpool yep. side that were not what they are today. I mean, yep. he Managed made them by Brendan Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, no way, no way. He went to Barcelona and killed it as well. I know, like, you know, he's not the most professional. He didn't take care of himself. He got a little bit fat, whatever. But that's not, that has nothing <laughs> to do with his ability. People. Yeah, yeah, that has nothing to do with ability. He killed it at Barcelona as well. Yeah. Um, and at and, Ajax and everywhere he's been. That's true. And And to be fair, Benzema did, you know, help in the blackmail of a friend uh so <laughs> you know if you're going to count the, the biting against Suarez you really do have to factor that in yeah that's fair I mean to be f- uh, also people count the handball in the world cup hey you do whatever it takes that's within the laws of the game you get a red card and a penalty that's still within the laws of the game yep so um well, while we're on La Liga uh fucking Gerard are we, Pique, are we on La Liga oh yeah well, you know not kind really of. right right Gerard Pique this week so leaks come out, conversations, him and and um, the Spanish FA. So his company has been taking money from Saudi Arabia uh, to help facilitate or to facilitate the cup finals that Spain has been putting on in Saudi. And so his company gets a few million each time and then the Spanish FA gets a few million and then the rest of the money is divided amongst the teams that participate in the final four. It's like the semifinals and the final, right? And so he's had to come out, or they've all come out and defended themselves and said, we're not doing anything illegal. And it's like, no one said you did, but this is a massive conflict of interest. But like PK for a while now, I'd say the last five years has always had that aura of like a swindler a little bit. Like he, <laughs> he, he had that aura recently of like, okay, football is kind of done mm. and I'm just kind of trotting along here. And I'm really starting to look at other stuff. Like he's always in the news for non-footballing stuff. He's diversifying his bonds. Exactly. He's diversifying his portfolio. <laughs> so he's, you know, playing a little bit in this company, doing a little bit with the league here, you know, talking a little bit about like Basque independence. You know, he's doing a little <laughs> bit of everything just to be relevant in a lot of little realms outside of football. Yeah. He's like, when this is over, I might want to be prime minister. I might yeah. want to be sporting director. I'm just keeping the options open. Exactly. So I'm not surprised I, I you know he's he's had a little bit of of that about him for a while now yeah and he's like well listen if you're going to bring Christensen in I'm going to find something else to do <laughs> yeah good point it's a retirement plan yeah but you know apparently the recordings involved you know people slagging off Atleti players and just the fact that like PK is involved in deciding where the money goes and to which team like it's all just well there was also man. the thing about like begging to be on the Olympics team Mm-hmm. Because that's the only medal he probably doesn't have in world football, right? Which I, you know, I get it from an ambition point of view. I get it. He wants the medal, um, but like, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit weird. Also, Pique likes to talk, right? Pique likes to be in the, like, you know, when when they beat Madrid and he has the five in the air and he talks about yeah. it on social media after, like, he likes to talk. Loves it. So it's not a surprise at all. Yeah. Whenever, um, wherever, you know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the hips don't lie. <laughs> yeah. Um. You said you wanted to go back to the Premier League. There was just a couple of interesting things. I, I was looking at the relegation battle a little yeah. bit. And, you know, Everton getting a point against Leicester today, I think is huge. In the 93rd minute at Big home, point. the crowd going crazy, especially after the brilliant result they had a couple of weeks ago against the top team. Who was it? They like really ground out the result at home. Was it City? I think they drew with City or something like that. Um, remember at home, like the crowd was so behind them, it was like crazy. I remember it. I think like it was... was player of the game. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to say City, but anyways, the point is, you know, I think that point puts them four above Burnley, and four is a magic number in football. 
you know, it allows you to lose <laughs> a game. It's one more than three. Yeah, it's yeah. one more than three. But someone recently said, in football, four is a lot more than three. It and, is. And it is. <laughs> so, you know, they can, they can lose one more game than Burnley. And, you know, even potentially draw, uh, you know, lose another with Burnley draw. So it's, it puts them in a good position, I think. Um, I don't know whether they're going to stay up, but Burnley are also, you know, I mean, we, we can talk about Burnley a little bit. Sean, Sean Dyche. Does it feel to you a little bit that it's not footballing? Yes. Um, yeah, it does. Because there's not really, like, if you weren't going to sack Dyche in any of the other seasons where they did, like, pretty much exactly the same thing, like, looked in danger for a large part of the season then kind of got out of it towards the end, then I'm not sure why you'd do it now. Especially with, with no one... There was no plan. There was, they haven't brought anyone in immediately. So they're just relying on like the coaching staff and Ben Mee to try and sort this out for the rest of the season, which is not going to fucking happen. It's not going to work. They're yeah. going to get relegated now. Yeah, I also feel like the way it happened. You know, he's been at the club for years. He's kept them in the Premier League with no right. I mean, people are pulling up like net transfers of like two million a season, like something ridiculous yeah. like that. You know, so you know, however they do it, you might disagree with how they do it. The point is, is he did it, mm-hmm. and they stayed in the league, and that means they get tens and tens and tens of millions of, of pounds every season for the past whatever it is seasons that kind of keeps their club potentially afloat, right? Yeah. So he, there's a lot to say about what he's done for the club. I think the way. There was no goodbye messages. There was none of that stuff. There was no hurrah. Even if you're getting sacked for footballing reasons because you're down there, you can still say, look, it's bad. We want to stay in the league, but thank you for everything you've done. I just feel like something happened in the back end, whether it's his fault, an altercation, maybe something, you know, code of conduct issues. I don't know. I mean, seeing how he's partying right after that, it might be a code of conduct issue. That Um, guy has not left the pub since he was sacked (laughs) and you have to respect it. Well, he's more of that's who he is. Yeah. I mean, the part time is the football manager. <laughs> yeah. Usually, he's it's the other way around. Alcoholic, yeah. an occasional football manager. Exactly. Um, so you know what? I, I think respect to him. I, it would be interesting to see who kind of goes for him because I think he's got a good resume in terms of keeping clubs up and doing their thing. Like I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to see like who's going to stay up and will need the manager, right? Like, well, Fulham are coming up. Um, they, they're promoted, and yep. you know that within you know probably six months, Marco Silva will have been sacked, and they'll be struggling to stay up. So Daishi, maybe Everton. Yeah, very possible. Very possible. Uh, who else? I can't, I can't see anybody else. I mean, Brighton most likely will let go of them. I don't. I just see it as like a bit. The relationship is sour there a little bit. I feel. You reckon? It just feels that way with the fans, potentially. Like I don't they're know. About to, they're about to finish their, their highest I, ever ever finish. He said, and that's that's what he said. He came up and said, "Like, are you guys insane?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he's right. Um, yeah, Palace are flying relatively. Leeds to have a new manager. Villa, you know, you think Gerald will get another year? Yeah, I th- I think you're probably looking at one of the promoted teams. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Dice should should settle for a for a Championship club. Well, let's see who's who's coming up. Um, uh, I can't find the championship now. So you've got Fulham and Bournemouth and then one more, right? Well, Bournemouth aren't up yet, Mm -hmm. but they'll come up. Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't see like any team coming up sacking their manager. Like it just doesn't make sense. Like, so it Mm -hmm. would have to be like a January thing. Huddersfield or whatever, you know. (laughs) That's not even Forest. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, we do have a question on Daesh, actually. So um, Gordo, at Gordo1920 on Twitter says, who would you rather narrate your biopic, Sean Daesh or Martin Yell? <laughs> so now that you said that, it's funny because the way Sean Daesh's name is, sounds like Martin Yell is always saying it. Like Sean Daesh. Like Dutch. it just yeah, sounds right. so Dutch. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. I just made that connection. But no, no, you're right. So if if Sean Dice's name was Sean Dice, he, and yeah. then Martin Yall said mm-hmm. it, that's what you'd get. Yes, you'd get Sean yeah. Dice exactly. That maybe that's kind of what I meant. Um, I think I I don't want to hear Sean Dice's <laughs> voice. Here's a question though. Yeah, who's writing the narration? Like, is it just their voices and someone smart is writing yeah, it? Yeah, no, no. Someone else has written it. They're oh. just narr- they're just reading it. If yeah, because I was gonna say I think if they're both writing it, Martin Yule will have smarter things to say, in my mm. opinion. Agreed. Um, also, I'm not trying to hear about Brexit for you know <laughs> no. an hour and a half from Dice. So yeah, no, I would go like, with Martin. It's Yule. the story of your life. It's just read by one of them. Well, my life isn't like hard enough to be read by Sean Dice. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be like I went now, to work again yeah, today. Exactly. Went to the it supermarket. <laughs> It would be like, why did you pick this guy? Like, you're just going to work in the supermarket all the just time. Just add some drama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, Martin, you I'd, I'd like it to be, I'd like it to have like a European touch. Didn't y'all work in Egypt? Yeah, yeah we laughed about that. Or did that we make bit. that up? He didn't work in Egypt, but you guys, you guys made up something about like owning a shawarma shop in Egypt. He didn't work in Egypt. <laughs> like, I don't I know why that came up. He managed Zamalek or he was linked to Manic? No, Hang on, I'm checking, I'm checking. See. I swear he managed them all. Oh my god, his siblings. Okay, so oh, Mar- oh. Martin Yol's siblings. Al Ahli. What, Egyptian Al Ahli? Yeah. Oh. So we didn't make it up completely. Go. Well, here's a better fact Martin mm. Yol's siblings are called Dick Yol and Cock Yol. Um, no. I don't know what their parents, Yannette and Martin, were doing, but like they named How this, did... like Martin got away with it and then he got Dick Yol and Cock Yol. Like Dick is a name. Fine, but you're having you're having a laugh when you go. Okay, my my, my one of my sons Dick is cock. Dick. I'm gonna call the second one cock. Like now, you're just messing about. Nah, man, that's mental. This was what? like a red district kind of decision. <laughs> <laughs> Surely, where were you born? Downtown Amsterdam. <laughs> um, <laughs> Martin must feel grateful every day. Yeah. Also, though, if you were called Dick and Cock Yol. Wouldn't you change your name immediately, like the second you turned eighteen? I feel like it's against the Dutch, like culture. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> this is the names my parents gave me. I have to stick it out. Nah, man. Uh, I mean, cock y'all. Dick on. is quite a Dick is quite a common Dutch name. Dick Advocat, Dick Yol, like it seems. Yeah, we to found be... one other Dick. Good job. Well, when you have two, it starts to become <laughs> a trend. <laughs> With a, yeah. Uh, also, presumably, his name is actually Richard. I don't know. No, no, it, it's actually like, just like yes. Obviously, they don't have they don't have Richard and Dick in, in Holland. It, it wouldn't change. It, it's Dick Yol, born in 1956. He's a Dutch football referee. Oh, he wow. managed he managed three matches during the 2000 UEFA European Football Championship. So he's like he's in football too. Interesting. Let's see what Cox's up to. <laughs> you would not tell the players your he's name. He's a he's a manager. No, he's not. He's not, he should he's be not a doctor. very famous. Be Actually, Dr. he is. Cock. It says of the manager, Cockyol. Wow, okay. Unbelievable. Interesting. Hmm, huh. Very cool. 
you learn something new every day. You really, <laughs> you really do. Uh, I think that's all I got, unless you got more Premier League stuff. Uh, well, I just as I kind of went back to see what was going on, I just realized that Napoli and Roma actually played each other on Monday, a one-one draw. Yeah, um, last minute. So we were talking Equalizer about how, how that's exciting. Yeah, El Sharawi speaking of Egyptians or Egypt stuff. Um, yeah, I actually saw a stat around him flying about, which was like he scored the most goals like in the last few minutes. And then I looked at when he comes on, <laughs> and it's always the last few minutes. Like, yep. Yeah, that makes that yep, makes sense. Yep. Uh, Barcelona lost to Cadiz Nuts. Uh, and uh, Frankfurt in the yes. Europa League. Europa League is actually going to be what? Frankfurt against West Ham. West Ham are really kind of holding down the fort there against Killing the other it. three teams. So two German teams and a... Yeah. Yeah, and then you've got Leip- Leipzig against... Who's the other one? Yeah, I don't know. Interesting. <sighs> yeah, look it up. Um, I was also looking at... I wanted to just do a quick mention for Eddie Howe and Newcastle. Because this mm. is not just a relegation escape. This is into like 11th into the table, you know, equal points with Brighton, a point behind Leicester kind of thing. You know, mm. it's it was a fantastic run since that January transfer window. And like, again, yes, they spent a lot of money, but really, you know, it's Chris Wood and that right back and, you know, Gimaresh. Okay, <laughs> they're good players, but, you know, they didn't go and sign Mbappe. Right, so at yeah. the end of the day, there's still a lot of work to do on the field, and I think kudos to them, man. Like, what a what a what an escape, and then yeah, and some, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I I think the biggest kind of kudos I can give to Eddie Howe is in some of the performances that we've seen, especially from them at home with with St James's Park rocking. In those in some of those performances, you've seen a glimpse of what they will be. You, you you can see it, right? It's not that far off. Like, if you're a mid-table team... They were a championship team at the start of the season. They made a few signings, now they're a mid-table team. It's not going to take that much more to put them in contention for Europe. And, and you know, with all the, literally all the money in the world, I know there's FFP, so they can't spend it all at once, presumably. Although, God knows there are ways around it. Like, you can see the progress there. The question then becomes, how long is he the guy for it? I think that will be really interesting. Well, can I think- he develop with them? Or, or does he just do the the next step and then get replaced? I think when we talk about Newcastle, I feel like I don't see the rise as much as you guys. Like I see it as like a mid-table thing. I don't see like Eddie Howe being too small for that club. I just again, I feel like the ceiling. Like they have the same money as a City and a PSG, but I just feel as a ceiling, I don't think it's that high. I don't know why City weren't the biggest club either, but in my mind, City, you know, I don't know. It, they made it happen, so maybe I just believe in it now, but I just feel... You mean in terms know. of what they can achieve? No, in terms of, like, the project ceiling. But they, they've literally got a bottomless pit of money. I don't, like, eventually, they're going to get it right, no? Like, even, even if they got... So the, the thing is, like, the money doesn't guarantee anything as long as you've got sensible people in place making the decisions. And from what we've seen so far, that is the case. Yeah, maybe I'm just thinking like I don't know if the pull is there for top players to go to a Newcastle. Like with with City, I know City were also a smaller team, but you've got the rivalry with United, and you've got that. Like you've got a little bit more. I don't know. I just feel like you know Gimarash is the kind of level they're going to be able to get. I don't see them going too much higher. Just again, just a gut feeling. Mm. Kind of, I'm sure it's based on some things in the background, but that's kind of <laughs> how I feel. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if you know can they really push into Europa League positions and all that good stuff um, in the next couple of seasons. But, you know, even when we talk about Eddie Howe's 
managing. You know, Joe Linton being a center mid. You know, kudos, man. Like, well done. Because, yep. like, no one would have predicted that. Right? Yep. So, like, things like that, can't, I think. Yeah. can't hit a barn door with a banjo, but he works really hard. So, yeah. and I think if put they, him here and let him run. If they keep doing sensible signings like Gimaresh, like Matt Target, like, yep. like the right back that I can never remember his name. Trippier. Trippier. Like, those are, you know, good signings. Right? And I think if they keep doing that kind of thing and not have too many egos in the dressing room, don't get like prima donnas who just want to be, you know, I think they'll be fine. And Eddie Howe dropped the captain Lascelles, which we were saying was absolutely necessary if any progress was to take place. So Correct. Respect. Mm-hmm. And that's all I got. Yep. All right. Well, we've done literally an hour. It's on the nose. 59, 58, 59. An hour. Congratulations, <laughs> everyone. You made it. So did we. And we'll talk to you again next week. Cheers, Mark. Take care. Bye. Thank you for downloading the Koshcast. Get in touch at underthekoshblog at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at under underscore the kosh. And for articles, predictions, and the full experience, go to underthekoshblog.com. 